Coming to you from the Rockingham Seventh-day Adventist Church, this is Sabbath Moods on Faith FM. Hi, this is Pastor Erickson from the Rockingham Church. It's Friday afternoon again already. Yes, the weeks come and go so quickly. Well, thank God we're still alive and well, and we can take an hour to enjoy some inspirational music and reflect on something from the Word of God, something that will feed our souls. The Bible says, Men shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So stay with me today as I share with you a message entitled, What Wilt Thou? In modern English, What Do You Want? Welcome again, and God bless you. You know, when it comes to prayer, students of the Bible have identified several conditions for receiving answers from God. I can cite a few Bible verses in that regard, beginning with Mark 11, verse 24, which says, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. Here's another, James 1, verses 5 to 7. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. And a third, Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, nor is his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. If I were to summarize those three passages, I would say that God answers prayers that are prayed in faith, from a heart that does not harbor iniquity or sin. But I want to explore with you a different dimension today, something which you may never have thought of. What is it? Well, I invite you to stay tuned. Let's take our first song, Sweet Hour of Prayer, a medley done by one of our favorite singers on this broadcast, Pastor Wendley Phipps. Oh 
voice like mine can be
Pray with me as we start today's broadcast. Dear Heavenly Father, as we reflect today on a message about prayer, please give us ears to hear and hearts to learn. Bless someone today through this broadcast, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 20, and let's begin reading at verse 17. Matthew 20 from verse 17 says this, And Jesus, going up to Jerusalem, took the twelve disciples apart in the way and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be betrayed unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death, and shall deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify him, and the third day he shall rise again. Now, it's probably around late March or early April in the year 31, AD 31. Jesus is coming to the end of his earthly mission, and now he's making his final trek to Jerusalem. Matthew describes the journey as going up to Jerusalem. Jesus just moved from a point, perhaps in the Jordan Rift Valley, that was about 1,000 feet below the Mediterranean Sea, to Jerusalem, which is about 2,000 feet above sea level, and that's about 3,000 feet. So walking uphill, yep, there you have it. And so he passes first through Jericho, where the events described in verses 29 to 32 take place. And that is, Jesus restores sight to Bartimaeus and possibly one of the blind men, depending on which gospel account you read. And later, he goes up through Bethany and Bethphage, which are pretty close to Jerusalem. But besides, beside the physical reality of gaining altitude, Jesus was going up to the center of Israel's spiritual experience, that place where God had chosen for his own worship, and that therefore enjoyed an exalted standing among all the towns and cities of Palestine. Before this trip, Jesus had promised his disciples that they would sit on thrones in his coming kingdom. We read in Matthew chapter 19, verse 28, And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And although they were not able to put the pieces together, that is, Jesus talking about his kingdom reign and then his imminent death, the disciples nevertheless kept believing somehow in the promise that their master had made. They would be co-rulers in the kingdom. The reward was coming. And so the mother of James and John, she also kept faith in that promise. And like every good mother, she had ambitions for her son. She wanted them to occupy the highest positions in the kingdom of glory. Wow! <laughs> so she thought, let me, let me book my son's place early. The Bible says in verses 20 to 21, reading from the King James Version, Then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons, worshipping him and desiring a certain thing of him. And he said unto her, What? Wilt thou? That's where our title comes from today. What wilt thou? She saith unto him, 
Grant that these my two sons may sit, the one on thy right and the other on the left, in thy kingdom. <laughs> That's interesting. Interesting. But watch this. She came worshipping. The Greek word for worshipping denotes prostrating oneself in homage or adoration. The NIV actually says she came kneeling down. Now picture a slave who has been set free, now coming before his master with this deep, lasting sense of gratitude. He gets down and he kisses his master's feet as if to say, I owe you my life. I'm totally devoted to you. Hmm. And so the mother of James and John, they came to Jesus. She came to Jesus. And before she did speak a word, notice what she did. She demonstrated her devotion to him. Well, isn't that a fitting example for us today, friends? Sometimes we come before the Lord in our private moments or together with others. And before we take time to worship Him, to simply express our devotion to Him, to say, Lord, we love you. Lord, we adore you. Lord, we give ourselves to you. Lord, you are everything to us. And without you, we are nothing. Lord, we're just totally committed to you. Before we do that, friends, we're ready to ask. We've got a long shopping list. We're more eager to seek the hand of God than the face of God. It's no wonder sometimes we pray and receive nothing. Nothing happens. Why? Because we haven't taken the time to worship. So take time to worship. I'll be right back after this instrumental piece. Stay tuned.
was a fantastic fusion of the classical and the hymn music from Linda McKechnie and Don Marsh. It's entitled, Oh, Worship the King. Well, let's take another on the theme of worship before we continue. Stay tuned. You're listening to Faith FM, and this is Sabbath Moods, a broadcast of the Rockingham Seventh Adventist Church in Western Australia. Just before the musical break, we were saying that when we come to God in prayer, we need to take time to seek His face, that is, to worship Him, before we seek His hand of blessing. 
Now, it's not about trying to curry favor God. It's not about coming like some children do. Daddy, you know, you're the nicest daddy in the whole world. Hmm, let me give you a hug. And daddy's thinking, hmm, I wonder what he's up to. No, it's not like that. Let our daily walk with God determine the truth about our coming to God. We cannot sweet talk God. He knows what we're doing or not doing. He knows the real reason why we are in church when we go to church. I don't know, but he does. I can't see, but he can. He reads your heart like an open book. And that's why I ask, when Jesus sees you kneeling and singing, whether you're singing as the day or some other hymn or offering a prayer, and he looks into your heart, friend, what does he see? Does he see a heart that is fully devoted to him? Is it truly worship? But let's get back to the story. So here comes Mrs. Zebedee, according to Matthew. And she gets down before Jesus and says, Lord, I want to ask you a favor. As nicely as she could say. And Jesus says, what do you want? What is it? And she answers, Lord, when you come in your glory, please put one of my sons to sit on your right and the other on the left. And Jesus straightens up and says, Woman, you have no idea what you're asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering that I'm about to drink? Well, he must have asked that question to the boys. And so they replied, Oh, yes, 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 we are able. So Jesus looked them straight in the face and said, hey, You will indeed drink from my bitter cup, but I have no right to say who will sit on my right or on my left. My father has prepared those places for the ones that he has chosen. Well, let me ask you this. Was Mrs. Zebedee making a bad request? On the surface, at least, my answer is no. She wanted her sons to be in the kingdom, reigning with Jesus. Well, we pray for our children. We want them to be saved, don't we? It's wonderful for any parent to have such ambitions for children. So why would Jesus react that way? And why would the disciples get so angry on hearing what the guys were asking? Well, let me suggest a few answers. First of all, why did Jesus react that way? Some requests may look good and may sound good, but they may not be in harmony with the will of God for your life. God may have something in mind for somebody else, but not for you. Sometimes those things we ask for would destroy our spiritual experiences if God allowed us to have them. And God in His wisdom knows that. I'm sure you have seen people who were very ardent and committed in their faith in Jesus. And as soon as they started to get a little prosperous or they added a few letters at the back of their names, they became too wise and too self-sufficient. Their apparent blessing became a curse. And that, my friends, is an old problem. In fact, Moses warned the Israelites against it. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 11, Deuteronomy 18, 11, Moses said, Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes which I command thee this day. 
lest when thou hast eaten and art full, and hast built goodly houses and dwelt therein, and when thy herds and thy flocks multiply, and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied, and all that thou hast is multiplied, then thine heart be lifted up, and thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. And thou say in thine heart, My power and the might of mine hand have gotten me this wealth. See it? So sometimes an apparently good request can be an inappropriate one because it is not in accordance with the will of God. Second, why did the disciples get so upset? Why were they so displeased? Well, here's what. It appears that the disciples had all been striving to get the top spots in the kingdom. How do we know that? Mark nine, thirty-three 33-35, it says this, And he came to Capernaum, and being in the house, he asked them, What was it that you disputed among yourselves by the way? But they held their peace, for by the way they had disputed among themselves who should be greatest. Hmm, because everyone wanted to be greatest. They were naturally unhappy with this woman trying to push her children ahead of them. Friends, selfish competition breeds contempt. When pride and self-seeking are resident in the hearts of people, it is easy for them to experience this kind of resentment, you know, even toward their close friends or their relatives, associates, family members. They can't appreciate it when others try to get ahead. They just must do something to cut them down. It's like, who do you think you are? Now, this is an attitude that should never be found among the people of God. The Apostle Paul reminds us in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 3, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. In other words, in other words, I hear Paul saying to me that I should think of you as better than me. I should not exalt myself above you, my friend, my brother, my sister. And that's something we need to remember when we come before God. We dare not come with hearts full of pride, of selfish ambition, or vain conceit. We have no merit. We're all broke. We need a bailout package. Well, thank God today for the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. That's our only merit. That, my friends, is our only currency. It's our only plea. Well, stay tuned. I'll be back after this couple of numbers. The first one is entitled Rock of Ages. And then I'll come back and introduce the second song.
This is Sabbath Moods on Faith FM. It's brought to you by the Rockingham Seventh-day Adventist Church. I'm your host and speaker, Pastor Erickson, from the Rockingham Church. Well, here's the second number, an instrumental entitled, Nothing But the Blood of Jesus. Stay tuned.
Welcome back, friends. Let's go to Matthew. Let's go back there. Matthew chapter 23. And we're looking at verse 29. It says this, And as they departed from Jericho, a great multitude followed him. Verse 30, And behold, two blind men sitting by the wayside, when they heard that Jesus passed by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. And the multitudes rebuked them, because they should hold their peace. But they cried out the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. And Jesus stood still and called them and said, What will ye that I should do unto you? They say unto him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. So Jesus had compassion on them, and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him. Good story. Mm. All right. Now, Mark's gospel identifies one beggar in this incident. His name is Bartimaeus. And Mark 10, verse 51, therefore reads, And Jesus answered and said to him, What wilt thou? Oh, wow, sounds like our topic for the day, title. What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? Now watch this. One chapter. Two different kinds of requests. But one question from Jesus. What wilt thou? What do you want? What do you want me to do for you? Now, unlike James and John and their mother, Bartimaeus was not seeking position. He was not interested in status or honor. He just wanted to see. Incapacitated by his blindness, he had been left begging for money and food, but now he didn't want money. He just wanted to see. Other people were following Jesus, thronging him around out of curiosity, but Bartimaeus did not care about being on the bandwagon. He just wanted to see. So when Jesus asked, what do you want me to do for you? He had only one answer. He just wanted to see. If only he could see, then all the, the, the other pieces of his entire life would fall into place. If only he could see. That was the most important thing. Today, friends, Jesus asks us the same question. Those of us who are in the habit of going to worship or who might be thinking of going there this weekend and bowing down in his presence, he asks the same question, that one question, what wilt thou? What do you want me to do for you? We're all so different, and I suspect our answers may be as different as we are and as our needs are. But we've got to know. We've got to know what we want. I can just imagine some answers. Lord, I want you to save my wayward son or daughter. Lord, I want you to safeguard the life savings that I invested in the stock market last year. I never knew it would get so bad, Lord. Lord, I want you to please heal my friend who is suffering with terminal cancer. Oh, Lord, I want you to help me get straight A's on my year-end exams. Lord, I want you to help me make sense out of Christianity. That sounds like a good one. There's so many answers, so many different things that we want. But I ask, are all those requests in harmony with God's will for our lives? Or are they merely an expression of our personal selfish desires. 
I can hear someone asking today, how can we know that our requests are in accordance with God's will? And to that I'd say, ask God. Ask Him. Say, Lord, is this your will for my life? Show me, Lord. Show me. I want to please you so badly. Please show me from the Bible, through one of your servants, through a dream or some other revelation. Somehow, show me. I just want to do your will. I tell you what, friends, God honors that kind of prayer. What do you want? What wilt thou? Lord, I just want to do your will. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. No. 
Yes, I want to know you more, Jesus. Not just receive things and blessings from you, but to know you. By the way, that was Steve Green, and you're listening to Sabbath Moods from the Rockingham Seventh-day Adventist Church right here on Faith FM. You know, there is a need that we all have, and I dare say we don't always think of it as our greatest need. The Apostle Paul identifies that need as he writes to the Ephesians in chapter 3, verses 14 to 19. Ephesians 3 Verses 14 through 19, and this is what he says. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And notice, notice, notice the first thing that happens. He comes kneeling before Jesus. Get it? Of whom the whole family in heaven and on earth is named. He continues. What does he ask for? What does he want God to do for him? Look at verse 16. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man. 17. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth all knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Well, what a request, that Christ may stay in our hearts, that we be rooted and grounded in love, that we may understand all the dimensions of God's love, which is beyond anything else that we can know, that we may be filled with all the fullness of God. Wow! (laughs) You know, I was thinking about this text the other day and asking myself what it must be like to be filled with all the fullness of God. What kind of person is that? I don't know, but if Paul prayed about it for me, then it must be something good for me. And I thought to myself, Erickson, you're a spiritual leader, you're a pastor of a congregation, you're talking on the airwaves, telling people about Jesus, but are you filled with all the fullness of God? And so from that moment, I started praying, Lord, I want to be filled with all your fullness, capital all, capital fullness. Help me to experience what that is. And if the Lord asks me today, what wilt thou? What do you want, in other words? I'm going to give him one answer. I just want to be filled. That's it. I don't care about position, honor, credit, or praise. I just want to be filled. I don't care about wealth or the comforts of life. I just want to be filled. Others may be worshipping you for different reasons, but... For me, I just want to be filled, filled with all your fullness. I don't just want what you have to give. I just want you, more and more of you. That's all I want.
and satisfied Just to know, just to know He's leading in my life He's worth everything that I might sacrifice Oh, I want Jesus more than to Sabbath Moods, friends, and as we conclude today, I believe that Jesus is asking each one of us, what do you want? Jesus already knows what you need, okay? But he still asks you that question because he wants you to exercise your faith and to demonstrate your belief, which helps us to appreciate the fact that he told Bartimaeus, your faith has saved you, aha, go in peace. So he wants you to demonstrate your belief in him. So what will your answer be? I believe that there is someone listening today who's saying or who wants to say, Lord, I just want to be filled with your fullness. Why don't you pray with me now, right where you are and right now? Father in heaven, I acknowledge that there are many things in life 
that I desire, things that I want, lots of stuff that I want. So if you ask me now, what do you want? I guess the list is going to be pretty long. But I want to put down that list today and just ask you for one thing, just one. I want to know you better. In other words, I want more of you in my life. In other words, I want to be filled with your fullness. Fill me now. The rest, all of the things that are on my list, I just leave them up to you. Because you know even before I ask what I really need. So thank you for hearing my prayer. In the precious name of Jesus, Amen. You've been listening to Sabbath Moods, a broadcast of the Rockingham Seventh-day Adventist Church in Western Australia. If you've been blessed by the broadcast, or if you wish to ask a question, if you like some free Christian literature, or if you just want to study the Bible, then please feel free to send me a note. You can email me, ericksonfabian at adventist.org.au. That's E-R-I-C-K-S-O-N-F-A-B-I-E-N at adventist.org.au The Seventh-day Adventist Church building in Rockingham is located at 21 Wanless Street. We're open every Saturday morning from 9.15 for a weekly time of Bible study and worship followed by lunch. I love lunch. 
We also have a small group Bible study and prayer meeting every Wednesday evening at 7 o'clock. So I want to personally invite you to come on over and pay us a visit. Our postal address is P.O. Box 368, Rockingham, WA 6168. And our message service number is 0476-416-740. So I just want to invite you to tune in again, same time, same station, next week for another edition of Sabbath Moods from the Rockingham Seventh-day Adventist Church. Until next Friday, this is Pastor Erickson thanking you for listening and saying take care. God bless you and bye-bye.